You're listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast, where we take the Wall Street bull by the horns to help you achieve your financial goals. Whether it's budgeting, investing, or financial independence, we tackle the big questions in the pursuit of financial literacy. And now, your host... What's up, everyone, and welcome to Main Street Finance. My name is Alex, your host, and this week we're going to be continuing our series on savings by talking about IRAs. And I want to thank everyone for coming on in today. I know you have many choices in your podcast repertoire, and I'm glad you decided to spend some time with me today. So today what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about IRAs, which are personally my favorite kind of retirement account just because you get a little bit more options, it's a little bit more fun, you get to manage it yourself. But we're going to get into that in just a minute. So let's go ahead and cover our basics, and we'll get right into it. IRAs are individual retirement accounts. Basically, they function in very similar fashion to 401ks, the 403bs, the 457s, in that you're able to put money in, and then you get to experience a tax advantage because the government wants to incentivize you to put that money away for retirement so that you become less of a burden on Social Security and that you don't go crying to the government that you are unprepared for retirement. So let's get into the differences. Uh, the main differences are, as the name would imply, it's an individual retirement account. So how a 401k worked is that it was an employer-sponsored plan. At some point in the hiring process, you were given a form or sent an email that said something along the lines of, hey, you've been automatically signed up for the 401k plan. Just tell us how much you want to put in. We'll do the match. Here's our policy on the match. Here's our policy on the vesting, et cetera, et cetera. And then you went through an administrator, which may or may not have been an insurance company or more likely a mutual fund. And then those guys managed your finances. You had about 20 to 30 investment options. And between those 20 or 30 investment options, hopefully you found some kind of way to evaluate those, put your money into it, and then really just let it ride. And if it does its job right, ideally you'll be able to retire in some time between 20 and 40 years. Now, with an IRA, the process is a little bit different. Because it's an individual retirement account, no one is responsible for it. So there's no employer that sends you an email or makes you sign a form before you can start your employment. An IRA is started because you independently went to a brokerage or an insurance firm and said, hey, I would like to open an IRA. And they gave you the paperwork, you did it, and congratulations, now you have an IRA. There are several pros and cons to this. The first is that your employer has nothing to do with this, and you're not part of a massive system. So with a 401k plan, you got shipped off to an administrator that your employer just kind of said, look, we can't handle this. Vanguard, we need you to come handle this for us. The metaphor I'm going to use is if you've ever been to a wedding. If you go to a wedding, there's usually, what, between 50 and a couple hundred people? And you'll get on your RSVP a check mark. Do you want the chicken or the fish or insert whatever food options here? Because that administrator is handling your employer and your employer is potentially giving them thousands of accounts, because there's so many, that's why they restrict you to those 20 or 30 options. Now, with an IRA, it's just you. It's not you and your 6,000 coworkers that these people are trying to manage. It's just you. So because it's you, you get a lot more flexibility. So while a 401k plan, you may have just those 20 or 30 options, with an IRA, you can invest in almost anything and everything. 
if you want to invest in stocks, bonds, commodities, foreign exchange, mutual funds, annuities. With an IRA, you can invest in whatever you want because you're free to. It's your account. They're just managing you. You can have whatever you want, unlike with a 401k when they're trying to juggle potentially six, seven, twenty thousand 20,000 people. Another big advantage is that you're not attached to your employer. Your IRA is simply between you and that, let's say, mutual fund company. So there is no employer to come in between you and that mutual fund company. And a lot of these companies are the same. So if you open a 401k with your employer, it might be Fidelity. And if you open an IRA, you get your choice of anybody. So if you're familiar with them, you might as well just open it up with Fidelity again. Or if you find something better for you, you can do that as well. There will be an episode of the podcast where I discuss which broker to choose from and how to choose a broker, things to look for, etc. But for now, let's just keep it at you could always do your own research and find one. Or if your 401k is with Fidelity, which I'm just using as an example here, then you could also open your IRA with Fidelity as well, just because you're familiar with their system. Chances are, I don't know this for a fact, but I'd be willing to bet that you can even connect your account so that with one login, you're seeing both your 401k and your IRA. Now, the last big difference between IRAs and 401ks is the contribution limits. Now, if I give you the specific limits, chances are these things change every year, or they usually change every year. So I don't want to give a particular number just because that's going to immediately date this podcast and make it harder to use as reference material as we go out even one year. But just trust me, this information is a simple Google search away, and it'll show up probably without you even have to click on the link. So your 401k plans, your contribution limit is somewhere around $20,000, something like 19005 or 22000 somewhere in there. Unless, of course, you're over 50, then you qualify for what's known as a catch-up contribution. And what that means is, hey, you're within X amount of years of retirement, so us as the IRS, we're going to allow you to contribute more because you're closer to retirement because maybe in your earlier years you didn't contribute, but now that you're getting close, you're taking it more seriously. So we're going to allow you to put in more than everyone else because you're right there about to retire. So the catch-up contributions are more, but I'm going to just speak on the basics. Your 401k limits are going to be somewhere in the $20,000 range. The IRA contribution limits are about six to 7000 So that contribution limit is a major difference, which it's okay. It's just something you have to deal with, you have to plan for. And ideally, you'll be able to use a 401k along with an IRA, and together you'll be able to have an excellent retirement. And so with that, let's go ahead and talk about the types of IRAs. There are around 10 of them, something 7, 8, 9, 10. I mean, really, you can just put labels on an IRA. Like, I've seen some wild stuff doing some research for this episode. People would just slap an adjective on it and call it a this kind of IRA. But I'm going to stick to the four main ones that I believe are going to be the most useful to you. So I want to introduce them first, and then we'll go and we're going to tackle these one at a time together. So the first thing you have is a traditional IRA. The second is going to be a Roth IRA. The third is going to be a SEP IRA, which is S-E-P. It's an acronym. And then the spousal IRA, which honestly is one of my favorites just because of the advantages it gives you. So let's go ahead and break this down. A traditional IRA is going to function very similarly to a 401k. And that's you're going to get pre-tax contributions going into it. So you get a tax break on the front end where you don't get taxed on what goes in. And then those contributions are going to grow tax-free all the way until you retire. 
And then once you retire and start pulling that money out at or around age 65, or if you have some kind of hardship sometimes before then, or if you don't need that money after that. Point is, whenever you start taking the money out, that's when you get taxed. It's tax-free going in, it's tax-free as it grows, and they hit you with the taxes as you pull it out in retirement, which could be spread out over potentially 20 or 30 years. Now, an important note about this is that I say that you put those contributions in pre-tax. However, since these accounts aren't through your employer, the taxes are already taken out before you even get the money in your checking account. So then if you turn around and go and put it into your IRA, you might think, well, how is that pre-tax? Well, what happens is when you file your taxes, there is an adjustment to your income on the first page of the 1040. And that's where you put in that, hey, yeah, I made $50,000, but I put $5,000 in an IRA, so really you should only be taxing me on $45,000. You kind of get this limbo period between when you make the contributions and the time that you pay your taxes, or actually then you file your tax return, that it's not technically pre-tax, but you're going to still get those tax savings because you're going to file your taxes and get on the up and up with the IRS when you file. So then we're going to get into our second type of IRAs, and that's going to be the Roth IRA. Now, if you take 10 seconds and go and Google Roth IRA, I guarantee you you're going to find probably 100 people saying that the Roth IRA is the best retirement account to ever exist. And it is quite fantastic. You get the benefits of an IRA in that it's not an employer-sponsored plan, so you're not restricted. You put in your money. It goes wherever you want it to go. You can invest it in whatever you want. But for most people, it's a bigger and better tax advantage. So what does that mean? Well, you pay your taxes first. If you think about that for a second, it doesn't seem like, oh, well, with this retirement account, you pay your taxes, and then that's it. That might seem like that's not the best, but you're going to pay those taxes, which is just your normal income tax that you were probably going to pay anyway, unless you put it in a a different retirement account. But you still get that tax-free growth. And instead of paying the taxes at the end when you start to retire, and as you retire, you've already paid your taxes. You paid it when you were 20, 30, 40, etc. So now that you're 65, you do not pay taxes on that. And not only do you not pay taxes on it, you don't pay taxes on the growth. Thanks to the magic of compound interest, there's a very high probability that that final pot of money you have when you finally retire is going to be more than 50% growth. So let's say that you retired with a million dollars in a retirement account. So if it was a traditional account, now as you're pulling out that million dollars, you're paying taxes on a million dollars spread out over however long you take to withdraw it all. If you have a million dollars in a Roth account, you've already paid those taxes. You could take all that money out in year one and have a million dollars cash in your checking account, and you wouldn't pay a dime in taxes. Now, it's a little disingenuous because you would have paid taxes on the contributions over the previous 10, 20, 40 years, but when you pull it out, there's no taxes, which means your gains never get taxed. If you have a million dollars that you've put in your retirement account over the course of 40 years, let's say, there's a very high probability that maybe only two or 300,000 of that is what you put in. The other seven or 800 are the gains. So what ends up happening is with a Roth IRA, you've put in, let's say, $300,000 in contributions, and that $300,000 has grown to a million dollars. So you've paid taxes on $300,000, but you have a million. In effect, you've just gotten $700,000 tax-free that you could pull out whenever you want and not have to pay taxes on ever again. And the price for that 
is your normal income taxes that you pay every year anyway. It's sort of you spread out all the taxes throughout your working years, and then you never pay taxes on the growth, which is going to end up being most of it. And then you get to pull it all out tax-free whenever you want. So just in talking about this, I can understand how it'd be really hard to really visualize as you're listening to this podcast. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make a YouTube video that visually shows if you're putting in a certain amount of contributions, it's going to grow to this. And here's how much in taxes you would or would not have paid. Be checking out the YouTube channel for that. Just understand that with an IRA, you are creating this account for you. With a traditional, you're not paying the taxes yet. All your taxes are pushed back until retirement. With a Roth, there is a good portion of money in your account that you will never pay taxes on. So with a traditional, you're just it's deferred. You're just pushing the taxes on until later, kicking the can down the road. With a Roth, you're paying the taxes on your contributions now, but the growth never gets taxed. All right, so I think I spent enough time talking about the Roth IRA. If you can hear it in my voice, that's probably my favorite kind. It gives you some really good advantages. So most of these accounts are going to be Roth or traditional in the tax treatment. It's just, so the other one's like a 401k. A 401k can be Roth or traditional. And the tax treatment's going to work the same way as far as when you pay your taxes. And that's really the only difference between the traditional and the Roth. It's going to be the rules as far as what you can put in and then when you pay the taxes. That's the main difference between traditional and Roth. So let's go ahead and let's move on to the SEP IRA. That's the SEP IRA. And what that stands for, it's a simplified employee pension. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this at all, just in case I have any small business owners that are listening to this. If you are a small enough business to where you can't afford to hire one of these administrators to create a 401k plan for your employees, what you can do is you can open up a SEP IRA for each of your employees. And in that way, you don't have to pay all the expenses of creating a 401k. They can have the IRA, which you can contribute to. And it's a much more cost-effective way to not only offer a retirement plan for your employees, but it's going to allow you to contribute to it. Now, all of those are going to be traditional, but if you're that kind of small business owner and you're offering retirement plans, I think that goes... A long way to really show that you care for your employees, in my opinion. And so with that, let's go ahead and talk about the last kind of IRAs we are going to cover in this episode. That's going to be the spousal IRAs. The main requirement for having an IRA is that to have an IRA, you have to have earned income. And what earned income is, is wages, tips. Basically, you went out somewhere, you worked for somebody, and they paid you. Now, an interesting thing I'm just going to throw in real quick is there's no age limit. It's just, it's just a, do you have earned income? So something a lot of people will do is have their kids hired on as an employee for the company business and pay them a salary or have them work at a snowball stand or something. Because if you have a 14 year old kid that is having earned income, they can open an IRA, which can be Roth, which means if you're opening up an IRA at 14 and you're going to pull that money out at 65, that's going to be a lot of growth that you're not paying tax, or rather that they're not paying taxes on. Now for that, that's going to be one of the rare things I'm going to tell you, you're going to want to talk to a CPA or a tax advisor for. You should not trust me at all with that because that is a really tricky thing to pull off. There's just a lot of rules and it's not something I'm going to cover here because it's not going to apply to too, too many people here. But that is something you can do. And I kind of went off on a tangent here. So a spousal IRA. An IRA has to have earned income. 
But what happens if you're a husband and wife or husband, husband, wife, wife, whatever your situation is? I'm just going to say husband, wife, just because that's going to be the majority. So if you're a husband and wife couple where let's say the wife works a full time job Monday through Friday, nine to five, or maybe she's putting in those extra hours, whatever. And then there's a stay at home husband. Well, according to the earned income rules, that stay at home husband can't have an IRA because they don't have earned income. Well, Congress, in one of their rare chances of doing something right, decided that that's kind of unfair, that if you have a single-income household, you are restricting how much retirement savings they can have using an IRA. So what you can do is you can have a spousal IRA. So if you are a single-income household that has two adults, husband, wife, husband, husband, whatever, if you have a dual-parent household and only one spouse makes the money, you can open a spousal IRA for the other spouse, and you can count the working spouse's earned income as income for the spouse. So I probably made that sound a little bit more complicated than it needs to be, but basically, if you have two parents married in a house and only one of them makes money, both can have an IRA. And what that means is you can have a non-working spouse open an IRA and put in their five or $6,000, even though they're not working, just because Congress thought it was unfair to restrict that for single-income households. A spousal IRA can be traditional or Roth. So if you're a single-income household, you can get around the five or $6,000 limit by opening up an IRA for your spouse that could also be a Roth IRA. So instead of putting in five or $6,000, you could put in ten or twelve. So it's sort of a way to get around that earned income rule to sort of even the playing field. But that also means you could put in between ten dollars and $12,000 per year. You do that for 20 years, that's going to turn into a chunk of change that if it's a Roth account, or rather if both of them are Roth accounts, you're going to not pay taxes on quite a bit of money. And with that, I think I've about taken all the patience you guys have for talking about retirement accounts, much less a single kind of retirement account. So what do we cover this episode? We talked about what IRAs are, some pros and cons, the differences between IRAs and 401ks. And remember, 401k, I'm talking about those two other kinds of account too, or as I like to call their friend accounts. We talked about traditional, Roth, SEP, and spousal IRAs. There are several other kinds, but if you understand what those are, it's very easy to Google them, and you're still going to very much understand what those are. So something else I want to let you guys know before we go I've been ruthlessly making these YouTube videos for you guys because we're starting to get into subjects that I can tell you a lot about it through these podcasts, but for some of these things, you've really got to be shown with actual numbers exactly how good these things are. So I've been working hard lately trying to put in some YouTube videos so that you guys can go and have a visual resource to see if I put aside this much money, here's what it'll turn into. And then all the spreadsheets I'm using in the YouTube videos, I am making publicly available for anybody to download. So the descriptions of all those videos are going to have a link to where you can go to my Google Drive for the show and download a copy so that you can put in your information and all the formulas are still there. You can put in your information and see exactly what you can retire with and play around with those numbers to see, oh, if I put away this much per month, here's what I'm going to end up with at retirement, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to put up a couple YouTube videos. I have one up there on compound interest, one for retirement savings. And then there's going to be a new one for this episode, which is going to have traditional versus Roth with real numbers to show you just how much in tax savings you are going to have and how that tax savings can really put a dent in your retirement savings or a boost in your retirement savings if you're not paying them. And so with that, guys, thank you again for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. My number of listeners has 
grown quite a bit recently. So thank you so much. Please, if you have people that you know could benefit from this information, feel free to share it. I am not shy at all. I bought a whole bunch of equipment here that I have sitting in my room just so I can share this knowledge with all of you and hopefully get you to a better place. And I hope you enjoyed this trip to Wall Street. Thank you for listening to the Main Street Finance Podcast. Have a question on today's topics or have suggestions for future episodes? Send an email to mainstfinance at gmail.com. Sharing is caring, so if you learned something new and useful today, make sure you share with friends and family. Don't forget to like and subscribe to be notified of new episodes. For demonstrations and more examples, be sure to check out the YouTube channel. We'll see you next time.